Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast, where we unpack the mindset, skills, and wisdom it takes to become an uncommon leader in a common world with your host, the Uncommon CEO himself, Andrew Smart. Andrew, what's the latest? Man, uh, just a great start to the week, uh, wrapping up uh, this month of April, um, a lot going on. Uh, you know, my kids are wrapping up school. You know, every day they're trying to tell they, they always tell me how many you know, weeks or days they got left. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter in particular. So she, she's really on the countdown phase of school. And, you know, they, they just finished last week, their testing. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens after schools go through testing, they get a little lax. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they probably wouldn't like me saying that, but yeah, you're over the hump at that point. You've you are the big stuff. Yeah. And I was surprised my kids, they're actually, um, the 25th is 25th, 26th, their last day. So, mm -hmm. So they don't, I mean, they'll get out right there Memorial Day weekend and they're done. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's pretty nice. Um, but they're uh, they're both full of it. They're ready for the summer. Um, Drew is loaded up with, he's doing flag football, like I said. He's actually about to mm -hmm. jump into another league for the month of May. And then they got camps this summer. I mean, it's a busy summer. I mean, um, you know, kids my you know that are my age, or anybody's got kids. I mean, just a lot going on. Mm -hmm. I saw he caught his first touchdown on the internet. He uh, did catch yeah. his first touchdown, mm -hmm. and he was really upset with his mother. Why is that? Because she didn't have it on film. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't like filming everything nowadays anyways. Enjoy what's in front of you. I, you I know, a 13-year-old boy catching his first touchdown. Sure, fair enough, fair enough. You know, and he's talking about, yeah, Mom, you film everything. Why didn't you get that one? <laughs> yeah, that, I got you. And I, I explained to him, I said, look, I saw it, your mom saw it, your grandparents saw it, you... We have memories. It of lives on video up exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. I said, I even went on to explain to him, I said, Drew, we didn't have iPhones and stuff when I was a kid. So, yeah. so you know, that this, this videoing yourself thing didn't exist then. But no, he's 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 made a point to um, bring that up to his mother a couple of times. I imagine so. so yeah. But uh, yeah, they're, ha they're, they're having fun and growing like weeds and time's ticking on, man. Yep, I believe it. I know my wife's a teacher, so she's ready for the school year to to wrap up as well. But they go this modified year round, so they'll be in school till early to mid June. I think she teaches till about the fourteenth of June, or at least works until then. Kids will be off a week prior, so they go a little longer, but shorter summer, more breaks throughout the year. Kind of right. works out for them. Okay, okay, but the family's good. Yeah, everybody's good, happy, yeah. healthy, all that good stuff. You feeling good? Yeah, definitely. Feeling better every day. Good. I'm back in the saddle, uh, working back on my diet, you know, with me being knocked down um, with, uh, with with what I shared with you on the throat issue. Um, you know, slowly starting to get back into my workout routine, mm -hmm. um, working my diet back in. The hard part about my diet, and I, I don't want to make an excuse because my word for this year is discipline, and I've worked on a lot of areas of discipline, and I was doing really good up till mm -hmm. this particular deal, and and. And I lost a couple of pounds from being in the hospital, but you gained that back real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. I had lost a few from not feeling too well and not being able to be, you know, eating the way I want to or active or whatever. So, yeah. yeah so slip so right I, out, slip right back. I'm back into committed discipline. I was up this morning early, uh, set my alarm at 530 in the gym, pushing it um, and committed to staying consistent there and really trying to work my diet. And I, I can tell you, I'm being challenged. Um more on this discipline word right now because i don't have any taste or my taste is really limited mm -hmm. and and it's funny when you go through that surgery like i shared with you before you can 
you you can lose all taste or you can lose a lot of your taste. And then I, I've heard from people where they just could taste savory. Well, for me, it's mm-hmm. sweet. And that's just like sucks because, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's got to be something with like a little sugar for me to taste. And sugar's not good for me. It's not cupcakes are delicious though. So. They are delicious. So uh, you know, they, but see, that's what y'all, y'all are sampling those these days. You're this is true. You do have sweet dips. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. We've They're got just a not few on things. the diet. Maybe I'll bring you some of the s'mores stuff we've been. They're not on the on. diet. They're not yeah, on the diet. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't need the additional temptation. But I have. So I've, I've now cut that out because when I was sick, I and I wasn't eating before, obviously, because my throat hurt so bad. So now I've been eating, and then I'm eating all the things I don't normally eat. Mm-hmm. And then I get a little pissed off because I'm like, damn it. I committed myself at the beginning of the year to here. So I'm I'm le- level setting, resetting, getting focused. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I might not be where I want to be by the time beach season comes along, but I'll be better than I am today. Well, what it might take, and this I think is where we're headed today, is just a little bit of inspiration to get you over the Inspiration. Mm-hmm. Matt. I love inspiration. Mm-hmm. I love to be inspired. I love to inspire. Um, that's I, I feel like, you know, from my faith, God has given me uh, an ability to inspire. Mm-hmm. I think one of my gifts are being able to stand in in difficulties and challenges and encourage people with it, and and so I I value inspiration. Um, I think we live in a world today that seeks inspiration probably on a level maybe more than ever in history. Mm-hmm. We need you know, it. We, 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 we turn looking for inspiration at every angle, lens. I mean, we're, we, 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 want, we want to wake up looking or hearing something that gives us the courage to go out there and, and be what we believe we can be. Mm-hmm. Problem is that that I think we live in a world today where there's so much false inspiration. Hmm. Tell me more. I, I, I think that we live in a world today where, where when you have a high level of desperation for inspiration, you're, you're inclined to go, to go look at things that are very shiny, mm-hmm. you know, that are, that are very loud because you want to be motivated. You want to, you want to, whatever it is, you want to be encouraged. And so you go to what's the loudest and what's the brightest. Sure. Chasing butterflies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here's what, here's what I know about loud and bright. You know, that if it's loud, there's a possibility that, that the, the level of, of what you need, meaning the voice that's being, that's talking, they might be screaming into you, but what are they putting into you? So loud doesn't necessarily mean you know, correct inspiration. As a as a child, we go to things that are shiny, right? Oh yeah, every kid loves the shiny objects. If you knew how much my daughter loved glitter and unicorns, I mean, good gracious, so, yeah. yeah. It, that's what attracts her, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, the glitter, the the brightness. So we're attracted to things that we seem bright. But I, I've shared before that, um, you know, when you're in the desert, and I shared when you're in like Sahara Desert. I mean, people are going to start as biggest desert. I mean. And you're in the desert, and you're walking through a desert. And a desert could be a literal desert, you know, metaphor. It could be anything that, you know, that, but, you know, in life, when you're in a desert, okay, you're going through this time of great intensity. Mm-hmm. Literal desert's heat intensity. Life has heat intensity. But you're in this desert, you're, you're, you're searching, okay? 
One, you're trying to get out of the desert. Sure. But within the desert, you're searching for things. And 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 when you're going through a life process or a literal, you know, desert, you often can be tricked on an illusion. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, when I when I bring that up in a desert, an illusion, if you're out in a desert, you often can be tricked that there's an oasis out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every Bugs Bunny cartoon leads to that oasis, for yeah. sure. And, mm-hmm. and when, what isn't an oasis? When we look at, I mean, obviously in the desert, you're desperate for hydration. You're desperate mm-hmm. for what is, what you consider that, that, that water we take in to sustain life. But what are the ways, what other ways in our life can we be in the desert and see this oasis? What, what other things can be an oasis in our life? I saw a quote, and I'm probably going to quote it wrong, yesterday that says the the value of the lottery isn't the long term. The, the price of the lottery ticket or the value of the lottery ticket price is more the moments of hope you get of planning of what you're going to do with that money instead of the actual money that comes from it. So it's, the value that they're selling you is that 10 minutes of inspiration you get of I had $100 million, what would I do with it? That sort of reminiscing you do with your family when the Powerball goes up to $300 million and all that you do with it. So like the... So you're saying the, you bought a lottery ticket before? Uh, once or twice, yeah. I, I don't really do it. That's kind of what, why it stuck with me was, you know, people that buy a lot of lottery tickets are living under this false premise of, you know, unrealistic hope. Hope's definitely great. Well, they're desperate. With. Yeah, absolutely. They're desperate. And I, I, I share a story. Uh, it's a great one you brought up there. I very rarely have ever bought a lottery ticket, but I have. Mm-hmm. And it's always been when it's like yeah, extremely high, like yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, most of the time it's when I'll go fill the car up or I've like, you know, I got, and I'm like, ah, why not? Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I, so I, it, it, those are the only times that I've bought a lottery ticket. But I can, I can tell you the experiences I've had in buying lottery tickets that have always kind of somewhat broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, people in line oh, scratching right there. Yes, they're, yeah. they're doing it. I, I've been in. I've been in. You know, gas stations where literally I, I saw this person over there who you know. I mean, just looking at them, you knew that. I mean, they didn't have the money to be spending, mm-hmm. but they're over there and they're like filling out their own numbers. Oh yeah, they're like so, and and you know, in their heart, they're so desperate. They 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 want to believe, you know. On, I'm either going, you know, I, my eyes of being struck by lightning, or you know, being, yeah, you know, yeah. they they want to believe it so bad because they're desperate in life to be able to 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 live out these visions of what it would be like, right? Mm-hmm. And then the funny part is, and I don't know if you ever seen the documentaries. On the people who win the lottery. Yeah, or the show Lost. Like, things don't always go well when you win the lottery. Right, Yeah. right. It's sad. (laughs) Yeah. It's sad. So often what we're attracted to and what we go to or whatever happens doesn't always work out very well. Mm -hmm. Well, that tells us that all human beings have have an internal nature and maybe a level of desperation of inspiration. Mm Mm-hmm. And... And so I've seen, like I told you, I, I desire to be inspired, but I, I operate with people every day that they seek to be inspired. But what I found in life, and I'm coming back to this point of where I see us as a society in life, I, I, I see a greater desire to, 
for inspiration. But I, I see, as a historian, I see today, while there are people that, that I think are good people for inspiration, I think today we have either a deficit of, of people that are, are qualified mm-hmm. to be good models of inspiration, but I see a plethora of people who are the worst inspiration. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and to me, that's heartbreaking. Because today in our society where we have access, we have access to people like no other time in history. I mean, you and I can communicate with people all over the world that if you go back not that long ago, we couldn't do. Oh, yeah. I think, remember when there were long distance calls? I mean, uh, yes. I remember yeah. when my brother lived in Japan. So this was I, was, I was finishing up college. This would have been 2000, 2001. Uh, my brother was living in Japan. And... I remember how much, how big a deal it was that my parents got these international call cards mm-hmm. and, and the time and the cost to be able to call. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you fast forward, I remember being in Brussels in 2013, and, and I remember calling Julie and the kids, except I didn't call because I had Wi-Fi in my hotel, and at that point, I could FaceTime. True. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that, I mean, so, so literally, and nowadays, because you know that I had, um, you know, just went overseas not that long ago, mm-hmm. um, came back and went in the hospital, but you know, that, uh, that, that when I, when I was over in the Netherlands and want to make calls, there's not that international cost anymore. Matter of fact, Verizon was already, I mean, I going over there without any prompt on there to kind of set me up for mm-hmm. the international call. So we've come a long way in our ability to connect, see, get things way outside of our general area. I mean, historically speaking, for most of history, you didn't go out of, of your general radius of a few miles. You lived your yeah. whole life in a general radius of just a few miles. So it's funny how we've grown in society. But what hasn't changed since the beginning of time is people wanting to be inspired. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And so, you know, I um, I look at, you know, that when you look at the fundamental need for inspiration, it's driven, I think, from a from a true soul nature of of wanting to believe. Mm-hmm. Wanting to it's why I've always said, you know, we're always inspired when we see movies that are comeback stories. Yeah. We're all, I mean, when we, when we see movies of people who overcome or came from nothing to achieve yeah. greatness, we're, we're inspired because at the end of the day, we want to believe that's us. Yeah. We want to believe that can be us. Sure. Yeah. So I, so I, so I, so I, I wrote down some thoughts on inspiration, man. I wrote down on what I believe is the qualities of an uncommon leader, the qualities of what you know, a person who who is uncommon, how they inspire. Because what I see in common is the poor qualities. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I made a point, you know, that it's, it's the politicians that, that are great, you know, auditors, the great, you know, the politician who tells you what you want to hear. You know, politicians are good at that. Yeah, the that's kind of their job in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's 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 
they they tell us what we want to hear. They tap into an, an emotional connection and need. But how often do we listen to a politician, give them our vote, but they don't follow through on what they said they'd do? Pretty often. I think uh, when you earlier in the meeting today, we talked about how do you know a politician's lying if their lips are moved? Yeah, so, you're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they're speaking, they're lying, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, and it's unfortunate because we need good leaders in politics. Yeah, that, that, but unfortunately, there are too many of them that tell you what you want to hear because they have self driven ambition and desire. So it's easy to see in politics. We see it in business. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it, we see it like nowadays. I mean, we're seeing, you know, where we've got bank issues over here, company issue over here, and, and, such and such CEO of banks, he might get fired, but he's out the door with a golden parachute. Yeah. Him and all the management team, they ran into the damn ground. People who had their deposits, you know, they're over there concerned whether or not they're going to get their money. People mm-hmm. lose money. But but those people who, you know, who who invested into this, this company, well, so-and-so who they believed in, they're out the door, they got their money out the door. I mean, we see it everywhere, man. We see it it's not hard to find people, you know, who, who look one way, but act another. Yeah. It's just not hard to find. So when you look at what, what encompasses a true inspirational leader, a true uncommon leader, it's I've talked about leaders before. I mean, when you look at a Martin Luther King, you would say that's an uncommon inspirational leader, right? Absolutely. Driven by a purpose bigger than himself. You've said the same thing about George Washington. If you say that, we can go through a, a lot of a, a lot of people throughout history. You know, I mean, it's I, I shared recently this um, this this young man whom I I only know through my children. This guy named Mr. Bees. Oh yes, I've seen Mr. Beast, and my oldest definitely knows all about him. I, my son can tell you all about. It. Matter of fact, I thought I had some information on Mr. Beast that mm-hmm. uh, that he didn't know because I listened to a, a little Joe Rogan and Mr. Beast, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I know something Drew doesn't know. No, he knew it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's all of a sudden filling me in information. I'm <laughs> like, darn it. But you know, in 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 that genre and that generation, I mean, they look up to this guy. This guy. Uh, for who people don't know him, he uh, at a very young age, I think like eleven, he um, he didn't like school very much and didn't achieve very well in scholastics. But he was obviously very intelligent. He figured out how to do a lot of things on YouTube, create videos, content, things that would connect, and kind of continued that process and got better at it. And uh, his mom, um, obviously, which she has a great relationship with, um, was very traditional. So she's like, "No, you're going to go to school. You're going to go to college." and he ended up going to community college, I think, for maybe a year, semester, or something like that. And but he didn't go to class. Mm-hmm. He was always working on content with his buddies. And uh, when he got his grades or whatever, his mom was just livid, like she won't throw him out of the house. Um, but he's been he he's done amazing work in YouTube content, building pages, and I mean, it, it's fascinating to see you know to see what he's done. And I heard him in this in this interview with Joe Rogan about what 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 inspires him. And he's had an inspiration of being able to do this, make this money this way, but give it back. And he gives back, you know, because all stuff's like charity. It's like give back. And, and Joe's like, you know, hey, you're making a lot of money. You don't want to kind of, you know, you, yeah, you, you're treat, not buying out of cars or treat yourself. You know, yeah. yeah. And, and he said, mm-hmm. he said, this is profound. And it, for a 23 year old man to say, given all the 
all of what he has accomplished in making, because he has about 100 people working for him, he said there was a short little time where, you know, he's like, I went out and bought me some nice clothes, mm. got me, you know, some good gigs. And he said, he said, what's funny is, is I was living kind of in a, you know, crap place, you know. And he said, and he said at that time, somebody broke in and stole it all. Sure. And he, he, he said, I don't live in a place like that. He said, I live in a nice, modest home. But I realized that's not what I, that's not me. That's not what, that's not what gets me going every day. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, that, that was pretty inspiring. I was inspired by a 23-year-old. You know, because here's the funny thing about me, Matt. And I, I, you know, didn't plan on talking about this part, but I'm glad, I'm glad I brought it up. I remember when I started at 23, 24, same age as him, mm -hmm. um, uh, my first business and, and building business. I... My inspiration doing it was always about making a difference. And talking about influence, people who, who have the true heart, honest mindset of influence, they want to do something bigger than themselves, bigger than themselves, and not about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started, you know, in business. I wanted to do something that way. I wanted to make a difference, not a dollar, a difference. Now, I also recognize in the journey, dollars help make a difference. Sure, doesn't hurt. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody care about Mr. Beast if you know he was making a little content, a few pennies. I mean, he's he's making a difference by connecting with people, but also showing what he values. Mm -hmm. Don't know him as a person, but just seen him through his actions, and that's kind of most of the time when we look at people of influence, we don't really know them as people. We only can judge them by their actions. But we also work every day and we associate with people who influence our lives. And the people we're closest to, we kind of know them by their actions also, right? Yeah, all the time. I mean, you're sort of defined by your actions. You absolutely are defined by your actions. And I've been associated in my life too, too many times where people look good on the outside, but who they are on the inside isn't worth it. And, and, and so I, I've said this before, there are people who on the outside look so buttoned up you know, they look like, you know, these people have it all together. They're all right. They're all righteous. They think, but inside they wouldn't stand up for you. They wouldn't really care about who you are. Mm -hmm. They tell you something to your face and then they just, they, but they wouldn't associate with you really. I mean, so I've seen, you know, I've seen people who really, they, they, they are that fake influence. I want to talk about characteristics of good leadership influence. What I think some of the biggest uncommon things today, um, when we look at an uncommon leader, one of the things that we look at is what is their attitude for caring about me? What is that attitude? Okay. Mm -hmm. And ultimately what is their attitude towards serving my needs? When you, when you look at, you know, I've heard John Maxwell say this before you go anywhere in the country any, anywhere in the world, when you when you have leadership in people, the number one thing people are going to say, hey, how can you help me, right? Mm -hmm. How can you serve me? Because before I can serve you, I want to know how you can serve me. And then they're all, you know, in the same statement, they're saying, not just serve me, do you value me? Mm -hmm. Because we all want to be valued. And so the attitude is critical. What is the ultimate attitude towards truly serving? Is it real? And and so I think that's one of the main things looking at 
you know, what's someone's attitude towards their influence? You know, <clears throat> I also think about influence is also about affirmation. Okay. Um, I like to think, Matt, I got a little bit of influence over you. Yeah, I would think so. CEO of our company. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think by mm -hmm. the nature of our roles and, you know, where we are in the company. But I, but I, but I also think that while I will challenge you, um, I want to believe that I also affirm you. I would say so. I think in leadership, you have to affirm those because people seek affirmation, whether they want to admit it or not. And um, affirmation is inspiring in its nature. We all seek affirmation sometimes to a fault. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it's too often what I've said um, from children who grow up um, sometimes single parent, whatever situation, sometimes we don't even have, I mean, it's a, we all have, we all seek different affirmation, uh, you know, that it's why I've said that in our society too often, um, you know, that whether you're a mom when you've had to play both roles, it's hard to be both in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's because you can't, a mom can only truly affirm at the best of her ability in the way the mom is wired, right? I mean, she's not, mm -hmm. you know, she can't be a dad. And unfortunately, too many women have been dads and moms. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the child doesn't seek affirmation. You know, it's like a young girl wanting affirmation from, from some male. Yeah, or her peers. Or her peers. Know, teachers. Look, I deal with my daughter. It's funny. It's funny. You know, my daughter's wonderful as can be, but it, often when I'm talking to them and Julie will come up to me and talking about, well, so-and-so was friends this week, and they're not, I mean, yeah. and I'm like, good Lord, I just saw them hanging out. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's so we, 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 we all desire affirmation. Mm -hmm. It is, we want to know that we're valued and affirming that, what we do matters and ultimately that we matter. We all desire it. Yeah. And so, you know, on top of affirmation, um, when you look at inspirational people, you want to know when you say they care, okay, what level of care can you have if you're not attentive? Not a whole lot. Have you ever gone to the doctor and you're waiting a while in the doctor's office. You finally get to the back uh, in, 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 into the room there. And the doctor finally comes in, but he's there like two seconds. Yeah, that happens. Feels like about half the time. And when you're in that and, and the doctor, like he's flipping the chart, blah, blah, blah. I'm out there. I mean, he just, what, how does that make you feel? Well, I mean, you're already vulnerable to be there. I mean, you've, you've chosen, like, I don't feel my best so, or... I want to be better and, you know, like with your physical, you might not be feeling bad to go there, but you want the time spent to say, you know, I'm here for you as a professional to, to help, to help me. So and yeah. you're dealing, I mean, whether it's just some type of flu or, or you're dealing with the commodity of you, your body. And, and you're like, mm -hmm. you know, if the doctor's in and out in like two seconds, it's like, wow. I don't feel loved or cared for, do you? Yeah, it's a bedside manner, you know. You've got to, you got to get that back from your doctor. It's a give and a take. Yeah, I mean, you mean you you think that they're more about churning numbers mm -hmm. than they are about value? And so, um, interesting enough, that the doctor group that I go to today, uh, one of the reasons I signed up with them years ago when they first came to Greenville is because 
it was it's concierge medicine. It was about mm-hmm. you know kind of buying into a membership. And I remember I remember distinctly how they sold me on this. They said, you know, what's the level of value you put to your to your overall health? And they said, here's what people spend every month on television. Mm-hmm. And if you take that number and you apply, it's basically the same cost of a monthly membership deal. Hmm. And it's about people where they put their values. And I thought, this is great. And I started going. And I go there to this day. But it was like night and day difference of attentiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where, you know, my doctor, I'm like, man, I love you, but I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Good. How many times can yeah. you say that with a doctor? Those are good problems to have. Yeah. I'd say, and, and, and while they're still good at it, um, I think that they have, um, they had a model where you can only take on so many patients. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've kind of expanded that model a little bit. Yeah. They're still good at it. So I don't want to sit there and tell you, they're still great at it. Um, but boy, when I first started, I was like, man, I, I got things to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't because I was sitting in the waiting room. It's like, Doc, I mean, I, I got to go here. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, you know, where I, where I kind of want to wrap up of uncommon insp- inspirational leaders is, is that they're available, meaning that you, you, you can have access to them. Mm-hmm. And they're authentic. Now, I speak to the availability. Uh, recently, you know, we're coming into this season of, of campaigning. Mm-hmm. Um, people wanting to be president. I think this is going to be a very interesting uh, yeah. time going into 24 mm-hmm. with uh, the presidential race. I've seen where on both sides there is uh, a, a people putting their hat in, the desire. Um, but, you know, with it also becomes all the, you know, the inspiration and negativity, you know. And I, I, I heard of one candidate who that is not in the race yet, but is kind of a front runner on the Republican side. And one of the things that uh, that was said about him was that he's not available. Hmm. Which I found interesting, actually, because there's a lot of positive things that are said about this particular candidate. Um, but but it was it was it was interesting to hear about availability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in leadership and in uncommon leadership, they they're people that understand I got I gotta be available. I gotta be accessible. And you know, if you if you're not available and accessible to your team, I mean, I've made a point, you know, if, if I got if I got a member of my team calling me, I'm gonna answer. And if I don't answer, I'm gonna reply back, you know, with a text saying, Hey, can I call you right back? Or you know, is there anything you can text me that you need? I want to make sure that they know that I'm available, that I'm here to meet their needs. I mean, um, I know I called you many times, but if you, if, if you call me, I get back to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer that you've got to be available to your people, and they got to know that you're available. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that availability is critical, but I think the most critical thing is about being authentic. Dish. Authenticity is is a word today that is hard to find in people. Oh yeah, I think out of my friend group, the I think I have a pretty authentic group of friends. But you can really, you can really tell when somebody's authentic. The way they talk, the way they carry themselves, the way the the candor they bring to your relationship—that's all so important. I, I believe it, and I, I'll give you a. 
a person. I brought his name up before, but I watched a recent interview with this person. He's not a politician. He's a business guy. He's second richest world guy in, guy in the world. I mean, I was watching a an interview with Elon Musk uh, last week, and and it, it was really discussing this whole AI thing, mm-hmm. um, which we can get into a conversation sometime about this AI oh, yeah, thing yeah. because man, that is like, holy cow, that's some weird, crazy stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's been a topic of discussion with friends and family that on this AI stuff. I mean, there are people that are freaked out, scared to death. Um, there, there are people like when I was watching Elon, he was like, you know, Hey, you know, I, um, I think we need to slow this thing down. And I didn't know this. Uh, you're familiar with chat GP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know that he was basically one of the original founders of it. I didn't realize that either. I didn't either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a nonprofit deal that, Supposedly they created to kind of combat something that Google was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a big fan of Larry Page. Okay, interesting. Uh, they used to be friends, and and it kind of surrounded around this idea, you know, of AI. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not going. I don't want to get too much into that. But I, what I loved about the interview, and what I loved about listening to him, you know, whether people like him or not. I thought the guy it comes across very authentic. Hmm. That he believes in what he says. You know that 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 you know it, it, he might not he might but he sure comes across as very authentic. He, he was like a guy. I said this um, to someone. I said when you see somebody like God, I just like to hang out with him. Just kind of be like a cool guy to hang out with. And I think authenticity. You know, looking authentic. You want to hang around people who are authentic. People mm-hmm. are genuine. People are real. Matter of fact, I think he was having, he was doing this whole interview and sipping on a bourbon or whiskey and the whole thing. I mean, it was it was kind of like that's kind of a genuine dude. And he made a statement. They were talking about space and aliens and all these kind of things. And mm-hmm. he was he was kind of laughing. He's like, he said, he, he said, if anyone probably should know anything about aliens, I think I would be kind of on the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he made this comment that I just died laughing. Where he said, you know, he said, think about this. He said, we, I, we've seen no, you know, evidence of aliens. But he said, think about defense budgets. Mm-hmm. He said, somehow one day I just pulled an alien out and went, hey, here's an alien. Yeah. He said, there'll be like whatever the defense budget needs to. You know? I mean, yeah. and he's right. I mean, if there were true, real proofs of aliens, I'm sure we'd be like, We'd be like putting a lot of money to figure out <laughs> what these guys are doing. Yeah, we don't want Independence Day to happen. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. But I say, you know, the, the the point of influence and authenticity must go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a true, genuine leader, you have to be authentic. Let people know who you mean, what you truly believe in, who you really are. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a perfect guy, Matt. How many times in meetings and times together where I've shared personal things about myself, difficulties I've gone through, failures that I've made, okay? I've done it because I believe in being authentic with the team. And I've heard it said many times, you know, hey, you probably shouldn't share those things because often when you do share things with people, people also use them against you. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather be an authentic person, an open person, rather a closed off, you know, person. So be authentic. If you want to be uncommon and you want to be impactful, you got to be authentic. 
Thanks for joining us today on the Uncommon CEO Podcast. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. We have video episodes on our YouTube channel and more Uncommon Wisdom on our social media. Find all our links and resources at UncommonCEOPodcast.com. For Andrew Smart and all of us here at the Uncommon CEO, stay uncommon.